the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Galatians chapter 3 today, to set the stage, we have the churches up there in Galatia had come to know the Lord Jesus um, as their Savior. Then there was an issue that happened when Peter came up to Antioch. And by the way, uh, Antioch is not a part of Galatia. Antioch is up in in a modern day Lebanon area. Uh, and so it was the first place that that the church was called Christians, that a body of believers were called Christians, okay? And that's where Paul and Barnabas were stationed up there. Now, the disciples were all down in Jerusalem. And what ended up happening is that Peter went up and he understood. They had the conversation with Paul and Barnabas. They said, listen, we agree that the gospel needs to go to the Gentiles. We agree that, you know, there's there's no other things that really need to be placed upon a man, you know, uh, and except, you know, things strangled and, and, you know, eating those things and, you know, drinking blood and what have you. Not, don't do those things. But other than that, really, the gospel is open to all people. It's not just open to Jews. It's open to Gentiles also. So there's not a person upon the face of the earth that the gospel's not open to. And so the gospel began to go forth. The thing is, the disciples stayed down in Jerusalem, and so they weren't spreading it out everywhere. What was happening is that Paul and Barney are up there in Antioch, and as the gospel is spreading up there, Peter goes, hey, I'm going to go up there and take a look, and I'm going to check them out and, you know, hang out with them and see, you know, what God's doing. And so he goes up there. And he understands. He he got that sheet, you know, that that dream that he had. You remember that vision that the Lord gave him? A sheet came down from heaven. There's all these unclean animals. Rise up, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, no, no way, Lord. No way. I'm not going to do that. Which, by the way, don't ever say that to the Lord to do something. It's just, that's not a, that's not a wise thing. No, Lord, no way. Nothing unclean has ever touched these lips, which I find very hard to believe. Coming from Peter, okay? And, and so, so here's the thing. It happened three times. Rise up, Peter, kill and eat. What I have called clean, you shall no longer call unclean. Peter says, oh man, I, I got it. It took him three times, but he goes, wow, I, I, I've got it. I understand. It's not just unclean food, but the gospel can go to the Gentiles now. Wow, that's wild. Really? Anybody can be saved? And it was something that God had begun in Peter. And so Peter goes up to Antioch, you know, quite a while later, he goes up into Antioch and he's up there and he's going, well, this is awkward because it's something that I didn't grow up with, but I'm actually eating dinner. I'm having, you know, pulled pork sandwiches with some Gentiles. And this is some good food, man. And and they're having a great old barbecue, uh, you know, whatever they're having up there. I don't know if it was pulled pork, probably was though. Um, just joking, but. They're having a great time up there. And then some more people thought, hey, we're going to go up there also. We're going to see what's going on up there in Antioch. And so certain people that were close to James, who was the brother of Jesus, who actually was the, 
it, this is this has always been kind of one of those things that has been kind of uh, a, an enigma to me that James was so against Jesus, his brother, proclaiming to be anything that that he was. In fact, James actually tried to get Jesus killed at one time. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, he said to, to Jesus, he says, hey, what are you doing here at the house? The feast is going on over in Jerusalem. Why don't you go over and tell them all who you are? If this is who you say you are, why don't you go on over and tell them who you are? And Jesus says, my time is not yet. But he did go over, just not at James' whim. James was not a believer. Somewhere along from the time that Jesus was crucified until the time that we're talking about right now, James not only became a believer, he became a believer that his older brother was actually the Messiah, that his life totally radically turned around and and he grew tremendously. He actually became Pastor James of Calvary Chapel, Jerusalem. I'm just joking. But he was, he was, you know, PJ, PJ, he was PJ in, in Jerusalem and, and, but he was still kind of hung up a little bit in some of the old stuff. And we can kind of give him a little bit of a break because this is what they grew up in. It's all brand new to him. And they go up, certain guys that were real close to James went up and they visited Peter as, hey, Pete's going up to Antioch. Let's go up there, follow him. They went up there. And as they were coming down the road, Pete sees it and he goes, hide this pork sandwich, man. Give me some fish quick and put it over on that table. Us Jews, let's go over there. And all of a sudden, all these guys that are sitting there porking out on pork, they, they're, they're standing there all by themselves and the Jews have separated themselves. Even so much so that Barnabas got caught up in their hypocrisy and then what Paul's saying is, I withstood them to them, I withstood them all to their faces in front of everyone. And, and you understand what happened there. He confronted Peter. He says, if you being a Jew, live in the, you can't even live in the manner of a Jew. Why are you putting these kind of restrictions upon Gentiles when you can't do it yourself? And you understand what Christ is all about. We don't come to know Christ based upon the law. We come to Christ based upon faith. And that's where we're, where we are right now. So what Paul is doing is he's, He's bringing in an illustration to the, to the four churches in Galatia. He's bringing in this illustration of what he encountered in Antioch, which is, it was called Antioch, Syria, but that part of Syria is no longer Syria. It's, it's Lebanon, but, but, you know, where they were, he says, this is what happened and this is how it was handled. Okay. But here, this, this false teaching has creeped over here into Turkey area. that Because that's where all the, the Galatian churches are, are more to the west, north and west. And that's where those churches are. So this false teaching made its way over there. And so Paul, he begins his third chapter off by saying, listen, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. 
So when we want to learn from you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? For just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you, Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. Yes, it was through Abraham that all the nations shall be blessed, but it was through what Abraham did that was the catalyst for why the nations would be blessed. Right? It wasn't just because Abraham was a cool dude. It's because Abraham believed God and God accounted it under him for righteousness. That's why we call Abraham the father of what? Faith. The father of faith. Okay? And, and so here's the thing. We come to know God through faith. And before I go on, what does this have to do with us, Pastor Don? Well, this hopefully will make a little bit more sense as we move on. But, you know, there's some of you that have been Christians for a long, long time. There's some of you that have been Christians for maybe a very short time. Maybe today you became a Christian in communion. Wow. Awesome. That's awesome. And I'm not going to say it happens to everyone, but to a lot of Christians. Maybe it happened to you. When you recognize that, and I don't know where you were, you know where you were when you became a Christian. You know that when you finally understood, when you realized for the first time, when you completely and totally grasped for the very first time, you mean all that I've ever done, all of my wickedness, all of my sin, all of my, all of that, God is going to forgive me It simply because I believe in his son that he took my place on the cross? Are you serious? He exchanges good for bad. He takes my filthy rags and he puts on me a robe of righteousness that blows my mind. That if I confess my sins, he's faithful to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from unrighteousness. That God so loved me that he gave his only son that if I would believe on him, I wouldn't perish, but I would have everlasting life. Are you serious? That God demonstrated his love to me that while I'm still in my sin, there's nothing good in me. There's nothing good that warranted God to come and send his son for me in my wickedness. God demonstrated his love for me, he says in Romans 5, 8, doesn't he? God demonstrated his love for me in that while we were sinners, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. It wasn't my goodness that drove him here to the ground, drove him here to the earth to pay for my sins. It was my badness. It was my wickedness. It was my hopeless and helpless state. 
There was no way that I would ever be able to satisfy the righteous requirements of a holy God, even by the law. It's the reason why the law was given. We're going to read that here in just one second. It's to drive us to Christ. It's a tutor that takes us and says, you can't get there to heaven based upon this law. Now, if you could do it perfectly, yes, you could. But here's the thing. There is none righteous, no, not one. And when that statement is made, that leaves no grounds for any loopholes. That doesn't mean that everybody except you, you are, you file in under none. Okay. None. I fall in under none. We're all nuns. Okay. What are they teaching over at Calvary Chapel? They're all nuns. He says they're all nuns. I heard him say it. Listen. We're none of us are righteous. No, not one. And and so here's the thing. The law only showed us our wickedness. It only showed us our sin. It only showed us our need for a savior. And, And so here's the thing. You came to know Christ. And I don't know, some of you had incredible experiences. Others of you kind of, it came on it, you know, it, it kind of was, wow, this is wild. You know, I mean, wow, I'm saved. I, I have a relationship with Christ. Maybe not anything earth shattering happened. I know for myself, when I understood Christ for the first time, when I understood that he was living inside of me and I started opening up the Bible, what used to be black and white letters that I was reading because I had to read, because that's what the pastor said, open your Bible and read. And I go, holy cow, can you just get done? (laughs) I, I'm not, why are you doing this? I know that this is supposed to make us feel good on a Sunday. We go in and we read this thing and you pray and we sing some songs and then we go and then we can just live our own life our own life out there and just do whatever we want there was no purpose and then i became a christian <laughs> and and I, I started opening the bible going ah man am i ever really going to get anything out and all of a sudden what used to be black and white turned into full color man it was motion picture computer graphics man i mean it wham it just exploded off the page and when i started reading the bible I was working at, at, in California. I was working for my dad at Redlands Airport in his hangar. I was a mechanic working on planes. I was flying also. That was when I first started flying commercially for some... I was flying for a drywall company at the time, but he couldn't keep me busy all the time. But I started walking with the Lord. I'd go home. And I had built my mom and dad's garage into a little studio apartment and I lived out in their garage. And, and so as, as I was out there, I'd go out there, you know, after work and I'd get out there and I'd start opening my Bible. And, and I was actually taking a J. Vernon McGee. Any of you guys ever hear of J. Vernon McGee? Yeah, a few of you guys have. And I love him. Friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. I, I love the man. I got to see him many, many times out in California in the church that I grew up in. First Baptist Church of Ukaipa. He was up there a lot. It was awesome. Well, it's awesome to remember back. But I was an idiot when I was a kid. Just going, he's better than the pastor that we have. He kept me entertained more than our pastor. 
I'm sorry, Pastor Sloan, you're, you're, you're in heaven enjoying the Lord, but I enjoyed Jay Vernon McGee a little bit more. Right? Here's the thing. I'd open up his commentary. My mom had a commentary through Jay Vernon McGee, and I had his commentary open right next to me, and I was going through the book of Proverbs, and, I, and I'd start about 6 o'clock at night, and I'd just be digging in, and I'm going, oh my goodness, look at this, look at this, look at this. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. And I was scribbling notes. I was everything. I mean, I'm just all over this. I'm going, and a teacher didn't even say I had to do this. I didn't have to write a report for anyone. I wasn't getting a grade. I'm thinking, wow, this is the first time in my life that I've ever actually enjoyed studying. And I'd start opening up and I'm writing and I'm reading and I'm sitting there and I'll stop and I'll pray and I'll get on my face before the Lord and I'll cry out to the Lord. Because I'm understanding for the very first time what a relationship with Christ is. And as I'm doing that, and it's just so real. It is so awesome. It is so enormous to me. God, how did I miss you? I've lived all these years and I didn't see this. This is crazy. This is wild. And, and I'd go reading and studying and writing and praying and reading and studying and writing and praying and just, just listening to worship music as it's going on, you know? And I'm sitting there and next thing you know, I, I go, oh man, alright. What time is it? It's 4.30 in the morning! I've gotta get up at like in two hours! To go to work, well, that's a little bit of a stretch of the imagination because I worked for my dad and I never was really there at 8, okay? <laughs> okay, 8.30-ish, quarter to 9, you know, this is when I pretty much, I took advantage of my dad, you know, the time that I got there. But he always got mad, but we always had a thing, you know, I'd be there. But here's, here's the thing, I couldn't wait for the next night. I couldn't wait for the next night, I couldn't wait for the next night. And man, I was going to church. When the church doors were open, I was going. I was, I was driving 35 miles to Harvest Christian Fellowship. I wasn't going to my Baptist church anymore. I went to Harvest Christian Fellowship with Greg Laurie. And I was going to his church over there. And I, I'm just, and I, I'm just, I can't get enough. I'm buying every tape I can find. I start hearing all these other guys. I start buying tapes. And I have just a, a library full of tapes. And so I couldn't get enough. And I didn't care what anybody said. I didn't care what anybody said about my walk with the Lord. I didn't care if people were saying you're crazy. I had a, a, a friend who was a pilot friend of mine that I really, really, really looked up to. He was a captain on a 737 U.S. Air. And I wanted to be an airline pilot. And he was kind of my mentor to be an airline pilot. And I remember that as I started walking with the Lord, I got a different job. I was flying for a different company at the time, and I was flying a lot. I mean, I was flying all over the place. Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Cabo San Lucas, Northern California, Southern California. I was just everywhere. I was just going everywhere with this with this guy, taking his family or taking his crew. The thing is, is that I got in an incident one time where I kind of got a little scared, where the Lord kind of woke me up. Because I started kind of drifting a little way, a little away from the Lord. The Lord brought me back, and it was at that time that I really believe God called me to do something more with my life. Now, all of this said, 
you've had an, a situation in your life where you realized Jesus for the very first time. And it didn't matter what anybody said. You talked to people about Christ. Things started working well. I mean, you, you started understanding the word. You started growing. And, and every day you grew more and more and more. But then somewhere along the line, maybe, hopefully not. Hopefully I'm not talking to anybody in this room. But there might be one. Or there might be all. I don't know. Somewhere along the road, you hit a stagnant stage. Some of our stagnancy comes from age because we're more mature as Christians. We become more exposed to other Christians. And we begin to have dialogues with other Christians, spiritual dialogues, because now we're smart. We are studious. We are spiritually and academically astute. And we begin to become wise in our eyes. And all of a sudden the newness wears off. The newness of Christ wears off. I have a study that I do called my RIP study, my rest in peace study, that talks about how a believer, oftentimes, the, the most growth that happens in an, in an individual is oftentimes that first three to six months of their, of their Christian walk. And once, once they hit that peg, that once they hit that plateau, oftentimes they just drift for the next 30 years. Oh, they're still saved. They still go to church. But man, their exponential growth in the beginning when everything was brand new, when, when, when you understood that Christ forgave me? Are you kidding me? He forgave me? I know what I am and I know what I've done. He forgave me. Oh my goodness. Everything of my life is yours, Lord. And you have this, you know, outrageous, just this unbelievable outlook on life. You wake up in the day, you got a sparkle in your eyes because you go, I got breath and I got an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. I'm going to not shy away from anybody. I'm going to, and but... But then you start talking to other believers. You start talking to some other people. And other people go, oh, you know, you got to calm down a little bit. The next thing you knew, you, you know, you start talking to these people and your spiritual fervency begins to die down. You think you're talking to the right people. You're talking to Christians. But your spiritual fervency begins to die down. And as you dialogue and you get into these dialogues and you begin to learn more and more and more, all of a sudden more smart people come in and say, well, you got to do this and you got to, well, you shouldn't believe in that. And you shouldn't believe in this. And all of a sudden what they do is that you've got this little light that's burning bright and somebody comes and takes this big wet blanket and just throws it over the top of you. And while you're getting this blanket thrown over the top of you, you think, man, this is maturity. It's not maturity. It's walking away. It's walking away. It's becoming stagnant in the faith. It's allowing others to determine for you what your spiritual fervency should be because, well, they have been with the Lord a long time, so I'm going to look at them. Look at their life. They've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. That's what I want to be like. Really? Wait a minute. They're not doing anything. That's why I believe it's, 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 and it's a hard thing in a small church like us. But I love having new believers. I love having new people to the faith, new brothers and sisters to the faith, being coupled with us 
old fogies. Because we look at those new believers and we go, if I only had half the energy that you had. And those new believers go, man, if I only had half the knowledge that you have. You see, if, if, if we work together, they'll wear off on us, we'll wear off on them, and man, we can, we can grow. The problem is, is that sometimes when we get older, we begin to listen to so much, and it stagnates us. It stagnates us. And we begin to complain. Are they playing that same worship song again? I mean, have we not done that song three weeks in a row? Can they just not, I mean, can they learn a different song? No, we're not very good. (laughs) Can't. Here's the thing. (laughs) Do you know that in heaven... If you get sick of three weeks of the same worship song in church, do you know in heaven? <laughs> Here it is. Listen, I'm going to love it because I'm going to add to your suffering right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you were, you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You know what they do that day and night in heaven? They just do it and they cast their thrones at the ground. I, I don't know. Did they, okay, time out. Let's go pick them back up and put them back on. As soon as they're back on, we cast our thrones. Holy, holy, holy. They're doing it all the time. If you get sick of worship songs here, you're really going to get sick of it and have it. But here's the thing. I said, man, is Chris Tomlin up here? Can he come up with a new song? Lauren Daigle? I do that for Mandy. (laughs) Mandy loves Lauren Daigle. She's great. She's awesome. I just tease her about it. Man, I wish that they'd just come up with a new song. It's the old song. It's going to be played over and over and over again. Here's the thing. All of this said, that's what happened to the church of Galatia. All the churches in Galatia. These people would come in and they would say, settle down a little bit. You have this fervency. You have all of this stuff. But don't you know, there's more to it than just Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's more to it. Oh, well, tell me more. Oh, well, well, you know the law? The law that was there? Jesus didn't abolish it. I mean, you you still got to abide by it. You got to do everything that the law says and have Jesus in your life. Only then. Jesus isn't enough. He's not enough. You got to do the law. And and by the way, you got to separate yourself from the Gentiles because we know you're not supposed to do that. And so this fervency that happened there in the Galatian church where they were just growing exponentially, they were, they were excited about their relationship with the Lord. All of a sudden, people start creeping in and dousing the flame of the passion that they had for Christ. Because they had a newness. They had, they had this realization. Are you kidding me? I'm a Gentile. It has never been open to me. Are you kidding me? I'm saved. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I thought it was all Jewish. Are you serious? I'm saved. 
The same God who's reaching the Jews is also reaching me. Thank you. God, thank you. Oh, but you can't thank him too much because here's the thing. You now have to become Jewish. Oh, and all of a sudden the the passion begins to die down and the Gentiles start going, well, all right. So, well, I thought Jesus was everything, but I guess he wasn't. I guess there's a lot more to it. I thought it was too easy. And it's not that way, guys. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing today. Jesus is the same simple message today as he's always been. That's why Paul says, when I came to you in Corinth, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because you know what? Really nothing else matters. It's not the law. It's not, it's not where you live. It's not your race. It's not your gender. It's not any of those things. Let me just read the rest of this and, and, and we'll be going. He says in verse, I'll back up in verse 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you, Abraham, because of your faith, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. He was a father of faith is what he's saying. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one, Paul says, is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. Because this is what our prophet Habakkuk said, that the just shall live by faith. Now mind you, this was such an impactful statement. The just shall live by faith. That Paul uses it three times in the New Testament. Now, I just put four fingers out, but that was in honor of my wife. Because she goes, we did it two times. (laughs) I tease her. She always throws the wrong fingers up. Okay. He says it three times. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Three times he says it. He quotes Habakkuk 2.4. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. The just shall live by faith, Paul writes. Here in Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. The just shall live by faith. And also in Hebrews, which I believe Paul is the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. The just shall live by faith. This is such an impactful statement to Paul. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall not live by the law. The just shall not live by rules. The just shall not live by becoming a separate race. The the just shall not live by anything other than by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's what started the Reformation. Do you understand those little words, that little phrase right there? It's what started the Reformation. Martin Luther. He struggled being in the, 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 the Catholic, you know, faith, if you will, or the Catholic, you know, thinking. And he couldn't reconcile. I, I think one of the, a really, really neat movie that is out 
is if you've never had an opportunity to see it, you might be able to find it on Netflix or find it somewhere. I don't know. You can probably find it on iTunes or something. I have it somewhere. I don't know where it is, but maybe we'll have a movie night and have this movie. It's called Luther. It's a great, great movie. It really is a great movie. It challenges me in my faith. Challenges me in my faith. But everything that that he was trying to adhere to when he came to this, the just shall live by faith, 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 four times in the Bible. I'm, he got this understanding that if it's saying it four times in the Bible, God's trying to tell us something. You're not going to be righteous before God because of the rules that you abide by. You're going to be righteous before the eyes of the Lord because of faith. It's faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Yet the law is not a faith. He says there in verse 12. But the man who does them, he's going to live by him. If you're going to live by the law, if you're going to do the law, you're going to live by him. If you're going to live by a set of rules, you better live by him because that's where you're going to find your righteousness. It's not going to be found in faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is for as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's what Jesus did when he hung on a cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. It's through faith, not the law, not through rules, not through being something different. It's through faith. Brethren, I speak in a manner of men, though it's only a man's covenant. Yet, if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds, as to many, but as of one. And to your seed, and that is Christ, he says. He points it out, it's through Jesus Christ. That's the seed that we find our salvation through by faith. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years after Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, the father of faith, 430 years became the law. And if what he's saying is if, if Abraham was justified before the Lord, how could he possibly have been justified if he didn't even have a law? You know how he was justified before the Lord? By faith. Because he believed God and God accounted it unto him for righteousness. Okay? This I say that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should not make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. By faith. By promise. Not by law. What purpose then does the law serve? This is where it is. It was added because of transgressions till the seed, Jesus Christ, should come until the law was added until, right? Until the seed was should come. That's Jesus to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, let's talk about the mediator for a second. The mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have come by the law. But the scriptures has confined 
all under sin. It's what we talked about here in the beginning. We're all nuns, right? None are righteous. No, not one. The scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, here's the end of it. Before faith came, here's the law. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, listen, the law was our tutor. It was our schoolmaster that taught us that we need somebody. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. It's not under the law that you're going to find yourself righteous. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew. And now here, here we are. And this is what he's, he's driving home to these Galatian believers. They're Gentiles for the most part. Oh, there is a few Jews that are up there. But for the most part in Galatia, they're mostly Gentiles. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, isn't that awesome? That's a Newt Rockney speech right there, you know? I mean, no, this is an awesome speech. This is a Paul speech. Newt Rockney gave a Paul speech, I think, you know? And then he, who's, who's the one that did, oh, the one for the Gipper guy. I can't remember who he is. You know, let's go win one for the Gipper. It was a powerful message. And they all went out and won a game. I think they won. Maybe they didn't. That's how the world works. Let's do it. And then they go out and lose. Not with Christ, though. Powerful message from Paul. He says, guys, it's through faith. And don't ever wane in your passion for the newness of Christ. And gang, that's what I'm encouraging you with. And this is what I finish with. Don't let your light burn out because of your maturity. Because you think you're getting smarter. Be young in the faith. Be young in the faith. Recognize your salvation is a free gift given to you not because of anything you've ever done other than simply believed. I simply believed. And are you kidding me? Because I simply believed, he forgave me? Yep, he did. The law was impossible to abide by. All these rules that they were starting to put back upon the Galatian believers was going to be impossible. They were adding things to the faith. Don't ever let anybody add anything to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay? That's the answer. It's not a 12-step program. It's a one-step program. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. You keep that your number one focus, your number one goal. You won't go wrong. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for you. Thank you, God, that you point us back to you when we get so confused in this world. When our faith begins to stagnate, when our our mind begins to add criteria and rules and regulations upon our joy in you, which doesn't add joy, it actually adds confusion. It adds work. It robs us of joy because we know that we cannot 
live up to standards and rules. That doesn't give us the freedom to go out and just do whatever we want. We wouldn't do that because we love you, God. God, restore to us, as David said, restore to us the joy of your salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within us. If there's anyone in this room that has allowed their faith to die down a little bit, they have a blanket, a wet blanket over that fire that once was burning brightly. God, ignite it once again. Remove remove that blanket. As Elijah was there on the, the top of Mount Hermon, the 450 prophets of Baal come up and he says, carve out, you put up this this altar and put all this wood on it and now douse it with water and douse it more and douse it more until the water was running over. And then he cried out to you and called out to you and from heaven, Lord, you ignited that. No water could ever extinguish your flame. We pray a fresh power of your Holy Spirit to come down And ignite our hearts, Lord. Ignite the flame that might be down to just a flicker. We might have just a a smoldering flask where where there's still some heat there and there's a little bit of, of, of smoke coming up still, so it's still there. Lord, ignite us. Regardless of the wet blankets that are around, Lord, water is nothing to you. Discouragement is nothing to you. What blankets are nothing to you, God? Remove them. Ignite them. Ignite us again, Lord. Help us to recall those days. You oftentimes say it. Remember your first love. Go back to those days and remember what you were saved from, what you're saved to, and how your life was so different when you recognize the freedom and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. May we all dwell upon that as we leave this place today, Lord. May this week be a different week for us than it has been for the past month, maybe two months. For goodness sakes, Lord, maybe 33 years. May this be a brand new day. May you restore to us the joy of your salvation and not let anybody come in and snuff out that flame that you're igniting in our lives. May we go out and represent you, Lord, going into the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, knowing that, Lord, you are with us, lo, even to the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So... Did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.